Hi, and welcome to the Chainsaw Carving Podcast. In this episode, we get to talk with Marina Cole. Marina has um, the carving place called Chainsaw Spirit, and she's in Alberta, Canada. So I'll go ahead and bring Marina on. All right. Hi, Marina. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Um, so the first question that I have for you, what is your story? How did you get started chainsaw carving? Anyway, we had a Taekwondo class that I was unable to join in and I had to sit out for it. And the people who owned the club had just gotten back from Japan and they had a hand carved dragon there and it was beautiful. It was just, it just completely mesmerized me for like the whole hour and a half I was there. And as soon as I got up from um, that area where we do our Taekwondo, it's downstairs and there's no Wi-Fi, no signal, no nothing. I ended up Googling a carving club in our area and there was one and they do a lot of hand carving which is a little bit different but I'm glad I went to anyway it kind of gives me something else to kind of try out and do a little bit more experience in a different um I guess somewhat different area and yeah ever since then I basically ran into Kevin Lewis from Husqvarna um, carving up in Edmonton at a sportman show and he asked if I would come up, if I wanted to come up and he'll show me how to use a chainsaw safely. And I was terrified because I bet you I've watched every single chainsaw video out there that was just awful to see and scared myself. And oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it was not a good thing to do. But in a way, I guess looking back on it, it is a good thing because you're kind of a little bit more, I guess, a little bit more understanding of what can happen. So you don't really give yourself that little bit of time to kind of um just relax too much around it right (sighs) that's cool I actually um I started out doing hand carving it was like Scandinavian flat plane style there's a guy in Iowa Harley Refsall that I actually I started studying that before chainsaw carving too oh nice yeah. So did, how many, did you do a lot of hand carving before chainsaw carving or, or no, just a few? I think I maybe did maybe 17 carvings. And a lot of the times I went to the carvers group and they would use patterns and blocked out wood already. And I just couldn't get wrap my head around that. So I would just do my own thing and I stick with wood spirits and whatever else kind of came along that inspired me to work. So it was really difficult for me to actually to see a pattern and use it. I don't know how the others can do it. I find it such a different way of thinking. So <laughs> my yeah. brain just doesn't work that way. Okay. Yeah. And then my next question, uh, what is it like being in an art form that's typically um, male dominated? Do you have any tips for women who might be like a little intimidated to start? I don't think you need to be intimidated. You know, honestly, I I don't, I, the only time I really think about that being in a more male dominated, um, I guess, environment, um, I just don't, is when somebody asks me about it, it doesn't feel like it's any different. I, I just, I guess when somebody says, wow, it's nice to see a woman doing this is when I think about it more, I guess. I don't really see it as being something that we shouldn't be doing I guess I don't know and that I I don't know how to explain it 
I don't feel there being a difference between working with women and working with men, I guess. Sure. I know early on when I started chainsaw carving, I, it felt like very welcoming and everybody was so helpful. And still, I would say like 95% of people are. But I, I have been in kind of odd situations where, like I was at one competition where it wasn't a carver, it was someone else working at the competition, but he said, you know, if if you need help starting your big saws or like if you want me to make some cuts for you, I could do that. <laughs> I'm like... I think I'd be disqualified from the competition if you if you carve for me. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. Um, I haven't run into that a lot though. Uh but I I have noticed some stuff, but most of the time people are really positive. Yeah, I found that too. And, and even I guess the men are like, "Wow, like you know your stamina, you're 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 sitting there holding us all day which you know, even they get tired and whichever else. And, you know, you're just keeping up with them, I guess, um, the men. They're just, there's so much support that I think that I haven't got that negativity yet. I haven't got that, oh, I haven't got, if somebody said that to me, I would be like, okay, go ahead and try. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's see you do this. I don't know. I haven't got that yet. And maybe that's why it's a little bit different. I think I've gotten a lot of positive from both sides. Um, yeah. And the guys like that we carve with, the women that we carve with, I, I it's just an amazing group to belong in. And maybe I'm just so overwhelmed with the, like just the amazing people that we're carving it with and we're able to be part of. So I just feel that, I don't know, I'm, I'm lucky. I don't even see that other side. So that's cool. And I mean, I always say, you know, at the end of the day, if something negative happens, you seem to focus on that one thing when most of it's positive. You always focus on the negative, but that's great if you've had that experience. Yeah. So, yeah. Luckily, so far, it is good. I, I'm not saying that there's not times where, you know, it's just, yeah, it, it's it's good, you know. Okay, so number three, what's your favorite style of art or your favorite favorite subject matter? I think I'm a little bit open to all of that as well right now. Um, I've, I love sculpting human form, but there's not a lot of time where I don't love carving anything else either. So um, I do get tired doing furring on a bear and that, but at the same time I do and I just think I'm just so lucky. And I love doing it all. So I feel like I'm a kid that gets to play with Play-Doh all day. And it's my job. So I, I would love to do more human form. I would love to do more, you know, pieces that you really can take your time on, which is nice. And not saying that I don't always take my time, but I would like to just be able to sit back and, you know, take a few days on a piece and make it really nice. Where I find that sometimes in chainsaw carving, you are just getting things done constantly. Not that you're not doing them great, but uh, you could do probably a lot better by spending just another couple of days on it, you know? Right. I know like right now, I'm trying to get a bunch of my orders done that are maybe at a lower price point. Mm -hmm. So I 
spent, they still look good, but I spend less time on them. And I'm always like, if I can get these five done, then I can carve something that I really want to carve <laughs> and yeah. that I can spend more time on. How much time do you think you spend on things that you just want to make versus orders or things that other people have asked for? I honestly don't think I've made anything that I just wanted to make for yeah. a long time now. It's pretty bad. And that's why I think I like doing competitions. But then I find myself kind of fighting against myself as well because I'm wanting to spend the time on it. And this is something that I wanted to do, but I just can't get it there because I'm trying to do it quickly to stay in that, you know, 35 hours or so. And that's what makes it hard. But I get to do some weird things in these competitions. And uh, that's probably the only time that so far I've done something. We built a house and I haven't yet done a carving for myself here. So I have my first carvings I did. And nothing yet for me. <laughs> so soon, I'm hoping I can right. do something myself. <laughs> I know yeah. I don't have I don't have any carvings at my house either. People think it's kind of odd, but I I'm I always when I'm about to the end of my orders, more come in, <laughs> and it's just this never-ending cycle. Yeah, it almost seems like it could be a negative, but it's really not. At least we're still working in that. But at the same time, yeah. you kind of get your own your own piece out there. I, I love different art. I love weird things. And that just doesn't come in a lot of the time with orders. So, mm -hmm. you know, it would be nice to be doing something a little bit different. So, you know, I get excited when I get, I have to do an Iron Maiden zombie and I'm like, yes, there's something, yeah. different, you know, <laughs> it's not, right. a bear, not an owl. It's, you know, it's, this is cool. This is something going to be kind of a little bit harder on my brain and gonna make me work for it so I kind of love that yeah and like you said it it's a good problem a problem but a good problem <laughs> exactly yes yeah I don't know about you but I find myself too when I get these orders coming in I'm never in order doing my orders because I can I have to get my brain to process what I'm carving and if I cannot see that piece I can't go ahead and do it or else it's just a struggle. It is not going to turn out how I want it to be. And I feel like, you know, I pick certain things that I'm in the mood for, I guess, more so that I can see happening. And then I sure. kind of, I do do that. Like, is or is it just me? <laughs> no, I think I'm doing it right now because I have this one order that's like a, a mom bear and a cub that are kind of like embracing like in a hug and it's just I have to think about it a little more and sketch it like I've never done one um and then I have several owls and I can carve owls almost sleeping so I've got to get in the right mindset for even so the the mama bear was ordered first but I'm doing the owls first because I can do them without going through the thought process <laughs> yes exactly that's something too that's hard to explain to other people. Like my husband's like, well, can't you just go out and carve right now? And I'm like, well, I got to think, I got to get my mind wrapped around this. And cause his projects are a little bit more um, utility where he doesn't have to think quite as much. He just has to do. <laughs> yes. As is my husband's as well. And I think that is a really hard thing when it comes to that. Cause they're just like, just go and do it. Just go and do that. Right. Like, no, you have to get your mind ready, you know, mentally prepare yourself in order to do it, to get it, to be able to visualize and see it. And it's something so different where they go out and they work and they have, you know, a guideline, like uh, something that they stick by and that they do every day. The same thing. It could be a different job, but it's, it's, 
just it's in their guideline for us it's going to be completely different almost almost every time so we have to kind of get mentally prepared and I find my husband's like just go out and do it and I'm like I can't like I can't I just can't so that I find is very difficult as well yeah oh and then one thing I thought of when we were talking um I one time really wanted to do a piece that I wanted to do and work on it for several weeks and kind of put my orders off. And um, I actually applied for a grant and I got the grant and I got to carve the piece and I got a few thousand dollars from the grant. And then um, the only thing I had to do in return for the grant was, um, you know, share out on social media that I'd gotten the grant. And then in the end, I donated the piece. But it was just really cool because I got to kind of shut everything else off and not worry about orders. And uh, so grants can be really cool, too. And sometimes there's a lot of grants out there that people don't apply for. Actually, I've heard a lot of that. I have not yet applied for one yet, but I have heard that there is a lot that you could look into if you're wanting to do something like that, just like you said. Yeah. And sometimes when you start looking, there's one like exactly for you. Like it'll be like a grant for, um, I don't know, like newer female artists in rural Minnesota. And and you're like, oh, that's me. That's exactly me. (laughs) That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, The next thing I was going to ask you is what tips do you have about carving? Um. I think one of my biggest things that I see when somebody starts, they start with the blocking and I think they kind of almost get stuck in a blocking pattern where a lot of it is square and they don't really see, I guess, more of the U shapes. And I think that if you were instead to take that bear that has a square flat head and just add a couple you know, 45 degree angle cuts where the ears are, it will change your carving so much. Um, And just to not give up on it and keep doing it, you know, keep your first piece so you know where you've gone, you know, and where you came from. I think that's always a good thing to do because when you look back at stuff, you, it really, I know, it just makes you feel good about where you are and where you're coming to and how everything is progressing and it just makes you just love it even more because you see that in yourself I guess um besides that I don't know what is too much more of tips I'm just trying to think you know a finger sander is really good a lot of people don't use a lot of finger sanders I find them to be really helpful especially for faces and everything as well um and I would say if you don't like your finger sander, try different grits because I, I didn't really like mine and then I got a different grit sandpaper and it was way different. It makes a world of difference, definitely. Yeah. I think it, um, some of the things that maybe it re- relates carving is, in, in any type of woodworking is the fact to wear a mask, to mask up and you know, wear your chaps, wear your mask, you don't realize how much sawdust and how much fungi and everything that you're breathing in when you are working and it is definitely something that will affect you down the line different types of wood and stuff as well you know if you're wearing a mask you're protecting your lungs you're protecting yourself and just you know it's a good thing to get in the habit of 
rather than kind of throwing it to the side. And I've been guilty. Sometimes I'll carve and I'll kind of just hold my breath a little bit. But you know what? For most part, I do wear a mask and I'm sure it saved me because I can feel it when I don't. <laughs> so right. I know definitely doing something for me. You know, put a nice barrier on your skin, a lotion or something so that you don't have a lot of, you know, cedar is a carcinogenic and all of that. The sawdust is carcinogenic. It sits, you're absorbing it all the time. So if you have a good like lotion barrier on you before you go out, I think my initial thing when I speak to people about carving is just the safety aspect of it rather than the carving itself, because it will come eventually if you keep practicing it. But the safety thing is not something that if late, if you learn about it too late, it's also not good as well. You don't want to be getting sick from what you're doing either. So it's definitely something that I'm glad that I was told right from go. You can look into a lot of different which woods are carcinogenics and such and what they can do to you and what they do to your lungs with the, the fungi, you know, that can grow throughout your body. If you're not wearing masks, if you're carving in that all the time, it is um, like an aspergillus mold. It's not good. So that is probably one of my biggest, biggest things I tell everyone. Um, just a, a good filtration. A good filtration on your mask is fantastic, not just a little handkerchief or something. I know. I actually want to – I have an RZ mask right now. Like, it's just a paper mask for – I think it's actually made for four-wheeling dust. But I want to invest in – I don't even know what they're called, but the, the whole filtration helmet thing where you, like, wear the filtration pack on your back or something. Yeah, that would be amazing because they actually circulate the cold air so it doesn't fog up or anything. It covers your whole face. So when you're using mm -hmm. your gouger, you're not getting pelted. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, wood, that's fantastic as well. If it's windy, you're not getting it in your eyes. I agree with you. I think that would be a, a fantastic thing to get into. It's worth every penny. Been... What's that? It's worth every penny because, yeah, you're just, it's your help, right? Yeah. And I think the number one reason for me, if I don't wear my mask, <coughs> it's because it's so hot out and it's like, there's yes. sweat underneath it and my glasses are fogging up. So I would say the biggest reason that I would ever not wear it is when it's too hot in the summer. So. I agree. I have a hard time with certain masks too. It lays on my neck and it really, really kills my neck after a day of wearing it. If I'm wearing it for eight hours a day, I just my neck hurts so bad so I did actually just order myself an RZ mask <laughs> yeah and so I am gonna try one of those they have a little bit of a thicker band on the back so I'm sure. going to see how that goes but I definitely start noticing myself having a little bit of neck problems so make sure you're comfortable in what you're wearing or mm -hmm. else it'll hurt you later <laughs> so yeah and I don't I don't wear my RZ mask probably as much as you do because my main job is teaching, but so far I love it and I've never been uncomfortable with it on. So that's good. Oh, that's good. That is really good. I know today I was actually teaching a bunch of kids and I'm kind of all over the place with my, with you right now. And I'm, I'm thinking a million different areas at the same time, but um, it's kind of fun because today I had gone into council to see if I can get my art gallery pass to have me, I'm going to be starting that up here right away. And so it was, they were super excited to even know that I'm having this started up. And now there's a three week progression or appeal period where people can kind of um, 
um, say that they don't want it to be in our town or whichever else. So now I have to wait three weeks to see if anybody else can complain about it. And then I went straight from, like you said, teaching kids is what reminded me of it. And I had a whole bunch of grade, I think they were grade eighters in a shop class in my town. And I think there was about nine of them, nine or 10 in total. And they all carved bears and owls today with chainsaws, like all of them. It took us three hours and I wasn't wearing a mask the whole time either. And it was windy out. It was awful. And I'm choking on sawdust because I'm trying to teach them and talk to them at the same time. But one of the best things I think that I, I think I love the most is actually teaching kids like their faces and just their love for it is so genuine. <laughs> it's precious. I don't know. That's cool. Yeah, so, it is. They're cute. So the whole thing you were talking about is a gallery that you want to open in your town, like for your carvings? Yes. Yeah, okay. I do. For not just myself, but we are such a small town, like such a small town. And um, there is more artists here than I have ever known to be in one tiny little area before so I wanted it to go from you know that we have a honey people who make their own or you know gather their own honey that yeah. would be in their honey there we have people who leather work and lots of actually very interesting types of not just my wood not just my art but everybody's art and I think okay you know people coming there it'll just inspire them to you know get involved with it as well so that sounds cool and then do you teach is that where you teach the kids or is that somewhere else this was I just go to the school for this one and there is another one I was doing it was called sign for schools and I had taught a bunch of kids before I find the Hasbarana battery saw to be amazing for kids because it's actually relatively safe yeah I kind of hand that to them and I'll have one carving and they'll kind of just follow me along and then we'll switch out and I'll sometimes maybe block out a piece so they can do some furring on a bear just to kind of get the idea of that. But I will down the road have kids come to the shop and, um, you know, have them there just to teach them that um, a friend started glass blowing and everything too. So, you know, just to have them come and see these things that they would normally not see and these yeah. kids being maybe inspired to do something, who knows, who knows who, who you'll be, you know, teaching and what they'll grow up to be so cool gotta put that little fire in them I guess yeah and I liked your tip earlier about keeping your first carvings I feel like some carvers do that I don't know why I right away I did a carving with a car a carver that my dad has but then after that I I I sold them all I don't know where any of them are (laughs) I maybe have pictures somewhere but I I kind of wish I would have kept one I guess a picture is a good thing, but yeah, I, I don't know. I have had my first bear and two of my first faces I did, I've done with a chainsaw just because I knew that was when I first picked up a chainsaw too, there was something so special about it. I was like, you're not going anywhere. I don't think I could get rid of it. It was like a little baby to me. It started me on a whole nother, whole nother path, you know? That's true. See, I think the, the person that taught me to chainsaw carve was like, well, you could probably get you know, $250 for that. And I was like, um, it was 10 years ago. And I think my, my husband had just gotten out of college and was looking for jobs. And I'm like, really? I'll sell it right now. Where can I? (laughs) It's so nice that way, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so number five. Since you started carving somewhat more recently, and I guess maybe I should ask how, when you started carving, what advice do you have for carvers who might be nervous about entering their first competition? I don't be. I don't think that you should really be nervous at all. I know it's scary, and, and I was so nervous my first time, but there's so many good people out there, and, and it's almost like we're drawn. If If you're a newcomer, it's like you're almost just, drawn to helping them you come and ask us like ask everyone questions for the most part everybody is so willing and eager to help because you're just you're benefiting the art as well as the person that you're showing you know um I don't think that you really need to be too nervous and maybe this is where I think being in a more male-dominated world i don't see a lot of animo animosity in that direction. Whereas maybe if it was another male asking another male, it might be a little bit more difficult. But as of right now, I think that everybody's been so open and welcoming, you know, we're all different people, obviously we're artists and whichever, and I love it. But at the same time, I just, I haven't, I don't think that you need to be nervous at all. Everybody's there to help. I find it's almost like a little school every time you go to a carving competition. So if you don't go, you're never going to learn or you aren't going to learn as fast is what I believe anyway. I feel it's like a little college escape when you go to a carving competition because you're seeing all these different techniques. You're learning and being told and taught so much different things that you would have never found on the internet or anywhere else you know and it just helps your art so much more by doing that so by you not joining those competitions you're kind of you know you're holding yourself back so there's nothing to be nervous about there are going to be people there who will help you know what there's 12 people there's going to be at least four of them that are going to help you <laughs> if not all of them is what I mean and you don't have to nobody looks at you when you're first joining a competition to be like oh okay well you're going to be amazing and whatever else we understand we were all there once we understand how it's going to be it's your first competition you're going to be scared you're going to be nervous you're going to be maybe making cuts, just trying to keep up with people. It gets very intimidating when people are around you carving in there, just, you know, Bob King or whatever, and they're done like day one. It's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> really? But just keep going at your speed. Get it done the way you're going to get it done. Because guess what? The next time you go, it's just going to be that much faster and it's going to be that much better. So you don't overwhelm yourself with that type of thing. Take it as you know, an advantage to learn more is I, I believe that's how I would say not to be nervous. You don't have to worry. Everybody's fantastic. You're always going to have that help. You're going to meet a lot of new people who are going to definitely be a, a great help to your art. Yeah, I agree. I, when I go to competitions, that's when I grow the most and I grow so fast. And I, and I would say too, when you're newer at competitions, you get a hundred, like a hundred percent support from, from people that are really helpful. Um, I, as I've gotten better and better, and I'm not saying that I'm like a world-class carver, but I have noticed as I've gotten better that some people are a little bit more like, I don't know if contentious is the word, but not yeah. as helpful anymore that, that I'm not a beginner. 
Um, but still, I would say 95% of people are there to help. And I, I love competitions. Yeah, definitely. I know what you mean about that. And people kind of want to kind of hold back a little bit more, especially if you're all within the same area as well. You're close to one another. It kind of is, um, people do, it's almost as though it's a little bit of a competition as well. You know, it's their livelihood as well. So yeah. that's, when, that's when it kind of might become a problem when you're trying to ask somebody locally in your area. <laughs> Right. You might only find the one out of the 10. But if you go to competitions, you're carving with people from Japan. And like you said, Australia, all over the place, there's so many different people who are um, there to help you. And I, I, you, won't, you won't run into that problem. You might if you're looking in your area and calling people up and asking them to teach you how to. They may not share just because they're trying to kind of, I guess, take care you know, it's, it's our job. It's, it's a job. And and maybe that's what it is. Just a competition, I guess. Right. And I know people were so, so friendly, like my first eight years of carving that the first couple of times that I ran into people that were at competitions and were being like ornery or complaining, or I was like, what is this? Like, I've, I've only had people be helpful and friendly. So it was, it was a little, it was a little weird, but you have that in any, any sport or any, um, profession or anything like that. So have my moments too. When I I actually, this last, this past year, I had a moment and I'm like, are you kidding me right now? (laughs) You're going to behave like that. But it was more, you know, not in front of like the people who put it on or anything. I was trying, but I think that in a way you might have it and hold it inside. But when you do a competition, it's really hard. Everybody puts so much into their pieces and it's the truth. And I'm not going to like say one way or another, but you try so hard. You work so hard. You're completely drained by the end of it. And then you're like, wait a second, but I, you know, I thought I did pretty good. <laughs> right. And it's, and it's both physical and emotional. And, and some people handle that failure well, and some people don't. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think it's like, a, you know, at the beginning, I'm like, hey, man, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> this is fantastic. And then I think you're like, okay, well, I have all these good ideas. And I fixed everything that I did in other competitions and I've sanded everything down and it's a spotless carving. And then even then, and then if you still don't place, you just have to remember that you're learning and you're there with my main reason I go to competitions is to be with the people every once in a while. It's also to challenge myself as well and to do what I want to do. So every time I go to a competition, it, it seems as though I rack up these expectations of, every competition and then try to put it into my next piece. And then I'm like, now how did I, how did I go wrong on that? Like, I don't understand because you're carrying these things along, but I think if you carve for yourself and just be happy with the piece you leave behind is probably going to be the most gratifying thing to you because you cannot keep up with, you know, different judges and whatever else. And, and you have to just, you know, you learned something, you came, you had a great time, and that's what you have to take away from it. So it's not completely wrong to feel inside that you're like, oh, kind of 
wished I would have placed. <laughs> but right. at the same time, you have to be grateful for where you are at that moment too, you know? It's okay. You're just going to push harder and stronger the next time. And that's all that matters. It just kind of lights that fire under your ass to do better the next time. So, right. And like you said, the thing you can't control, no, that's okay. The thing you can't control is your piece, um, you know, in one situation with a certain group of carvers and judges might have been first. And that same piece with a different group of carvers or judges might not place at all. Um, so it's all the things you can't control, like who else shows up and who the judges are and what the criteria is and how they feel that day and all kinds of stuff. (laughs) Absolutely. Like, uh, absolutely. Yes. I totally agree with that. And so now I'm, I'm definitely going to take a step back and there's a lot of people that I know have been doing it for a long time and they're like, Hey, you know, it's not another, another time. Well, this is going to be year four for me um I've done a few competitions I guess and I'm I'm learning I guess everything I'm like I said for the first now that would have been first two years it was like I'm just happy to be and then I'm like okay I think what you do to yourself is you get yourself so amped up you're like okay this time maybe I can place this time (laughs) and then you're working your butt off and you're trying everything you can do and and then you're doing the best that you can do at that time. But there's just been, there's been people doing this for so long that are just incredible. And you know what? At, at least you're doing it with them and be, or being beside them and carving with them and learning new things. And yeah. Right. Yes. That's, that's a good def- way to look at it. Yeah. Okay. So next question. What, what tools do you think someone would absolutely need to get started? Hmm. A kind of bare minimum. I think a little saw and a big saw. <laughs> and I use, I guess, my die grinder, my Dremel, my nylon brush are probably the, my most used tools. Um, a finger sander is great. You can get by because it hasn't been that long I've been using it. So you can get by. I find you get more realism, a lot more dips and stuff with the finger sander than you would with a Dremel on that. But honestly, I think that in your saber bits <laughs> are fantastic. Yeah. You know, the right kind of bit will do amazing things for you. So, um. Yeah, honestly, if you have some good saber bits, saber tooth bits, a Dremel die grinder, and two saws, or you can kind of go in between with one with a, maybe three, 